everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates. And some days I believe that our theme, instead of being a news-sounding theme, should be on the road again, and Willie Nelson probably would not allow me to do that. But we are on the road again, and today I'm in Fort Pierce. And uh, a visit with attorney Wesley Harvin II of the Estate Trust and Elder Law Firm. We're here, as I said, in Fort Pierce. And uh, Mr. Harvin, Harvin, you serve clients in Fort Pierce, Stewart, Port St. Lucie, Okeechobee, and Vero Beach. So I would love to welcome you to the program today. Great, Sam. Thanks for having me. Uh, one of the first things I always do is get our audience to know our guest a little bit better. Tell me about yourself. Well, my name is Wes Harvin II. I grew up here in the uh, in the Treasure Coast, um, and I've been practicing uh, law here, elder law, estate planning, taxes, probate, all that stuff. Going on about 25 years now. Practiced for a long time with my dad, Wes Harvin Sr., who uh, had did it for almost 50 years, all in all. And now I'm with the estate trust and elder law firm doing it here. With your dad, that was Harvin and Harvin Stewart, correct? That's right. Harvin, Harvin and Stewart. Yeah. So it, it is a small community. I'm also one of those rare natives uh, born here in Fort Pierce, spent the majority of my adult life in the Midwest. But as they say, I am home. So now that we know a little bit about you from your description, it sounds like uh, you are right on target with everything that is going on in the senior community today. Uh Tell me about what specifically that you do with the firm. I do. I meet the clients when they come in, mm -hmm. and and I hear um, I hear whatever they want to tell me, and that's usually the way that I start a a conference. Is they say I want to hear whatever you want to tell me, because at this point in people's lives, usually they're down here because they're trying to take it easy. Usually they're trying to retire, but they've got a. Uh, that can that can bring with it a lot of concerns. That can bring with it, what am I going to do with my assets? What about my kids? Maybe my kids are still up north. Maybe they're still down here. And in Florida, as you might imagine, sometimes I hear maybe my kids are in other countries. Maybe I've got retirement assets. Maybe I've got kids with special needs or grandkids with special needs. And that takes a, a special kind of planning. So whatever their concerns are, is where I try to focus and then bring that into my garage and bring out my tools. Sometimes I, I say that, you know, being a lawyer is a lot like being a mechanic. We have certain tools and we use them. And if one tool doesn't work, maybe another one will. And so that's where I start. And I think uh, from the seniors that I've encountered throughout the state and all over the country, that topic of estate planning is one that sometimes they want to avoid, but that perhaps is the most important thing that they can have a discussion about. Yeah, it's uh, and even if it's not necessarily important to them, uh, it will be important to their family, you know, because uh, a lot of what I do, a lot of what lawyers do is try to take care of their client. And I do that too, but part of me taking care of my client is making sure that I take care of their spouse, their kids, sometimes their spouse's kids, sometimes the grandkids, this sort of stuff. So my, I have to spread my umbrella pretty wide, and that takes a little bit of practice, a, 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 lot, of, a lot of reading, a lot of, a lot of learning, and a lot of listening. 
Listening perhaps is the most important thing that anyone can do. And when I am listening to folks who are uh, in a situation where they have elderly parents, what they're saying is that's a tough, tough topic of discussion to begin. How do you recommend they begin that topic if mom or dad or whomever hasn't brought that topic up yet? Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Um, I I see families struggle with that. And I have families come in who sometimes they don't want mom and dad even in the room. And they come and see me alone and say, hey, I've got concerns about about this health issue or that. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Because, you know, I need to treat the it's like the old jerk, you know, like the old joke, you know, uh, a doctor treats the illness and a nurse treats the patient. I try to, you know, some other types of lawyers, they treat the client, but I try to treat the family. So I want to get input from everybody I can and try to make the best decisions I can for everybody. But then that said, at the end of the day, there always comes a time when there's two people at the table, me and the client. And I have to say, all kidding aside, all pressures aside, I know you got a daughter telling you this. I know you got a son-in-law telling you that. But what do you want? Tell me what you want and how you want it. And then that's my pole star. That's my guide. I fold everything else into that. When you look at it from that perspective, uh, back up one step. And I understand because that is ultimately the decision maker is the client and your counsel is helping them make those right decisions. One step prior to that, as we're talking about the children or sometimes even the spouse and the children, there can be some warring factions there and it can become a fractured relationship. Um, Advice and and information. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Uh, This is where I have found that for the most part, people do want to be heard. They want to have their say, and I I appreciate that. I respect that. Um, but I am a lawyer, not a therapist. So there there does come a time when I say to the family, "I hear you. I understand." But, and then after that, but comes, but here's what I can do, or but here's what your mom or your dad wants. And as much as I want to keep everybody happy and content. Sometimes I joke with them and I say, when when your mom is feeling down and and, and wondering what she's going to do with her life, if she ever looks at you and says, I've worked my whole life for my money and I want you to do everything possible to make sure it all goes to lawyers, if anybody ever says that, then let's fight because that's what I do. But if if no one said that to you, if you didn't think your dad went through everything he did just to make sure that I can get another ski vacation, then let's not fight. And let's find some reasonable way to go about this that makes everybody happy. With estate planning, uh, I know it, in the case of my own parents, they put it off, and put it off, and put it off because they were like, well, yeah. we really don't have anything. We've got property. We own some land. We really don't have a lot of wealth in the bank. That's a big misnomer. It certainly can be. It certainly can be. Um, a, a good portion of estate planning is for 
is for the planning of the estate. And by that, I mean for what happens after someone should pass. But a lot of it takes effect before passing. A lot of our tools in our little mechanics tool belt help do things like make sure that mom's health care decisions can be made by someone in a timely fashion if she's not able to make them, to make sure that mom's bills can be paid by someone who can, with permission, access her finances if she's not able to make those financial decisions. Sometimes our planning can even go into making sure that mom or dad can get whatever state or federal health care assistance benefits That's all legal and above board, but just not very widely known. A lot of programs out there, a lot of options out there are just not widely known outside the elder law attorney community, because why would they be? You know, it's, it's not their field, but it's still true. It's still out there. So I, I find myself sort of dividing up my time between a little bit of education, a little bit of therapy. Sometimes a little bit of uh, not necessarily not necessarily medical advice, but conversations about this and that, and how that factors into someone's desires, and kind of it, it really is a grab bag uh, of skills that are needed to be a good elder attorney. And and here I said twenty five years in, I feel like I'm just starting to get the hang of it because it's always fluid and it's always changing and always a challenge. I would imagine very much so. Yeah. Especially when not only does the the need of the client change based on their circumstances, but quite frequently the law that affects us all changes either at the state or federal level, and and we have to we have to keep an eye on that. And let let the clients know. One thing that has been in the news lately that a lot of seniors, especially those with some wealth, and and I I guess I shouldn't say with some wealth, but cryptocurrencies, Mm. bitcoins, dog coins, and and all of of the above, and we see more and more, uh, our seniors are involved in the internet and they're involved in cryptocurrency. That's got to be a big area of concern in doing the planning process. It really is. It really, really is. There are new laws actually uh, just coming on the books recently about uh, keeping uh, cyber assets accessible. Uh, and the, the dark side to that is cyber crime. Yes. And fraud. Uh, very, very recently. Just yesterday and also this morning, I'm consulting on a, a substantial lawsuit against an elder who thought that she was obeying the instructions of her bank to transfer funds. $400,000 later, the bank never heard of her and the money's gone. We're trying to put back, you know, uh, Humpty Dumpty after he fell off the wall here, but there's no one, there's no one way to remedy the level of cybercrime that's out there. And for all of us, not just seniors, for anybody, for anybody who gets involved in this sort of thing, it's very dangerous. And I, and I, I talk to uh, publishers, for example, uh, authors who want to be on the program, and, and they talk about that topic in particular. And one of the things that we all take for granted is we log into a social media or wherever it is that we're doing something, even as, as mundane as email, and we have passwords. But yet, in the process of someone passing, all of a sudden, the question is, what was Dad's password? 
Very true. What was the password? Where did they even have accounts in the first place? I mean, you know, we tell, and we still do this. We still tell the family when they call and say that someone's passed away, we still tell them, okay, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Our next step is to try to look through their papers, try to find out where their bank accounts were, where their IRA statements were, all this sort of stuff. Well, 90% of banks out there go paperless. Right. 90% right. Of, or more of IRA statements are uh, are emailed to you now. So it, it makes it a lot harder for us to get a grasp on what's going on. My word of advice, and I know this goes counterproductive to what a lot of folks will tell you, write your password down and provide it to someone you can trust, your attorney. Make sure that you share with your attorney information that can help someone from uh, being a victim of cybercrime or after you pass. What if someone were to access your account and become you? Yeah, that, that's very good. It's, it's definitely... <laughs> It's a good idea to, to always have your, your vital information on two separate forms of media. And that's, that's just a practical reality. I mean, I, all my files, personally, are all digital and, and paper. Because one might burn up and the other might get lost, and you, you just can't take that, you know, you can't take that risk. Uh, giving it to your lawyer, to your CPA, to your financial manager, these are all good options. If someone wants to reach out and contact you, how may they do so? Uh, there are a couple different ways. We have uh, uh, our main office line, 772-828-2588. Our website, etelf.com, is a good place to check out uh, where we're going to do our next presentations. Because several times a month we do free presentations, seminars. They're not too long. And I make sure that I always put plenty of time at the end for a Q&A so you can ask your particular question if I didn't hit it during my conversation. I promised as we started the program that I would give a heads up as we're getting close to wrapping up an episode because I had a question to ask. And that question is, because really we have a lot more to talk about, whether it's becoming a resident in Florida, some of the tax implications, or even getting more into some of the senior abuse things that we happen to see on a day-to-day basis all over the place. So the question, Wes, can you come back for another episode? I'd love to. See you soon. Absolutely. We have it from Wes that he's going to be back. And I'm as good as my word, and I am Sam Yates with the Great American Senior Show. And that's it.